Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report dot com and pewter report podcast we are back from mobile alabama we missed all the pewter people it's been a little while but we got a lot to get into in this new era of bucks football it is the liam cohen era as he takes over as offensive coordinator for the tampa bay buccaneers so we'll talk a lot about him some pro bowl stuff and some other head or assistant coaching news regarding your tampa bay buccaneers I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com, SR, Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are we doing to start out this week? Doing good. Um, I'm excited to talk about Liam Cohen and also to talk to Liam Cohen because we've gotten word from the Buccaneers that, that Liam Cohen will be introduced to the media either today or tomorrow over at uh, One Buck Place, the team facility. So stay tuned for that because whenever that happens, if it's tomorrow or if it's Wednesday, we will be having special coverage in our podcast about that with plenty of interview clips. Uh, so, you know, w- w- as soon as we find out, we'll let you know. But we will have a Liam Cohen press conference, yeah, Liam Cohen press conference reaction podcast, either yeah. tomorrow or on Wednesday, and then um, um, as it stands right now, which whichever day he does not have the press conference. We will talk about how the Bucks' offense will change under Liam Cohen. So those are probably the next two podcasts we're going to do. Lots to talk about with the the new offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after interviewing nine candidates. They got their guy, and the more I dig into this guy, the more I like it, Matt. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about before, it was always going to be impossible to try to find that lightning in a bottle again, kind of like how they found with Dave Canales, but in a weird way, I'm not going to call it an upgrade by any means, but in a weird way, it's, I think it could be. Yeah. It's almost like they're, it's like Canales paved the path and now Cohen has a chance to just make the path even better because of experience calling plays at different levels with different quarterbacks, which is something Dave Canales didn't do. And then having an offense that is similar to Canales, but takes a little sprinkle of the no risk it, no biscuit of Bruce Arians. Not that he learned from Bruce Arians or comes from that coaching tree at all, but just little elements of what you like about a Sean McVay offense, a McDaniels offense, uh, things of that nature. You'll see to a degree with Liam Cohen. So uh, I'm excited to break that down over the next really couple of weeks, but more specifically this week um, after talking to Liam Cohen, even before we see Liam Cohen, um, because I think there's a lot of things that Bucks fans will be able to gravitate to and and grasp onto as well. And just to be bluntly honest, I'm more excited to just talk about a coaching candidate versus nine different candidates. Right. How does this guy fit? Who, who's yeah. connected to this guy? Uh, and he checks all the boxes. Connection to Baker Mayfield. Baker sounds like he wants to be back with the Bucks. Just yeah. judging off of uh, his weekend at the Pro Bowl in Orlando and. Yeah, so I, I think there should be a lot of excitement with the Bucks versus a, oh, we're starting all over again because it's not yeah. that's not exactly the case. Right, and and I think there are some similarities between 
what Canales did last year in Tampa, which, you know, Seattle's offense was not exactly the same as it was under, under Sean McVay out there in the Rams organization, even though offensive play caller Shane Waldron went from the Rams to the Seahawks, right? This is going to be a little bit more of Sean McVay. And that's kind of what he took to the university of, of Kentucky and two stops in 2021, where he coached up Will Levis and then last year, 2023. So a lot of fans might be asking, well, why didn't why didn't uh, he stay with the Rams after you know going to Kentucky for one year, after being an assistant in the passing game for a couple seasons? He goes to Kentucky for a year, then he comes back to the Rams, and then why didn't he stay with the Rams? Well, the answer is real simple. He wanted play-calling duties. He got a taste of it. During that yeah. 2022 season, matter of fact, Sean McVay seeded play calling duty because the Rams were in a funk. They had the Super Bowl hangover. You had injuries to Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, who were their two best players on offense. Probably the two best players on that entire team, not named Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. And he just wanted the opportunity to call plays. He got a taste of it, and and as it coincides perfectly with Baker Mayfield, um. Those play calling opportunities came in weeks 12 through 18 at the end of the season, including a 51 point outburst against the Denver Broncos, where Baker Mayfield had quite a day. So it it just kind of whetted his appetite. He wanted to get back to play calling like he did at Kentucky. And he did that last year, working with Dennis Leary, also working with with Ray Davis, who is a running back that we saw at the Senior Bowl. Uh, fantastic fit in what Tampa Bay wants to do, obviously now with Liam Cohen here, but uh, even if this was a Dave Canales offense, Ray Davis would be an, an awesome number two to that one, two punch with Rashad white. So Matt, I, I think that's why you saw him really kind of jump at this opportunity because now he has a chance to be a full-time play caller in the NFL, which is ultimately what he wanted. So two years worth of play calling experience at the collegiate level, just about half a season worth of play calling experience at the NFL level. And, and now you have a guy that walks into the building, Matt, with more play calling experience than Dave Canales. I think there's a chance this offense can start off on a hotter foot, hit the ground yeah. running. And, and conceptually, it's kind of the same thing uh, that Canales wants to run in, in terms of, of establishing the run and, and using play action. The, there, there's some of those concepts there. It's not a carbon copy by any means. Right. Definitely has more Sean McVay influence than than more of a Seattle approach, but there's a lot to like here. And I think what's exciting for Liam Cohen as well is yes, he did work under Sean McVay, offensive genius, guru, whatever you want to call it. But when you're under McVay, you know that that's the last stop. Unless McVay, there were rumors he was going to retire a season or two ago. Yeah. But unless McVay has a succession plan and says, you're my guy, Liam Cohen, you're going to be the next head coach. That's about it because he's an offensive coordinator. So I right. wouldn't be surprised in the back of Liam Cohen's head if he's thinking, all right, I'm going to defensive coach. If I do my job, regardless of what happens on the defensive side, I can either become the head coach of the Buccaneers eventually, or again, go the route of the Dave Canales of getting a head coaching job somewhere else. So I do think that is beneficial as well. I think what's really important too was the words from Baker Mayfield at the Pro Bowl because Baker is very much, and he admits it himself, he's a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve, chip on his shoulder. Baker's going to say what he wants to say, especially in that situation at the Pro Bowl where he's technically not tied to the Bucs anymore. Like, yes, he's got the little Bucs logo on the NFC jersey, but if he didn't really like Liam Cohen or wasn't a big fan, he wouldn't come out and say like, yeah, I think he's an a-hole and I'm done with the Bucs. But he didn't have to go out of his way and say, he's a really smart guy. Loved working with him. Um, What he does with the offense, just by confusing the defense, I really enjoy and et cetera, et cetera. You can read the article on PeterReport.com. We have it all there. Baker didn't have to necessarily go out of his way and say all those things for a guy that might not even be his coach because he's not with the Buccaneers. But that's a great indicator that Baker could be back for the Buccaneers coming up this season. And we're going to talk a lot more about Liam Cohen uh, on this episode and in the future as well. But 
did want to talk a little bit more about Baker Mayfield and Tristan Wirfs because they had a heck of a weekend over at the Pro Bowl. Uh, you had the Pro Bowl games and everything like that, but the game itself on Sunday, shout out to Baker Mayfield. Uh, an excellent performance in the Pro Bowl. And that was interesting because they, Eli, they interviewed the coach, Eli Manning, the Eli, the interview. Um, and Eli said that Baker was going to close it out. He was going to come in the fourth quarter. And, you know, as a media person, I'm thinking, all right, this is juicy. Like, Baker can win the game or Baker may lose the game. And it's a little bit more of a storyline than, oh, Baker comes in the second quarter, does okay, and then that's about it. But, no, Baker Mayfield ended up winning NFC Offensive MVP for the Senior Bowl. The NFC beat the AFC by a score of 64 to 59. Now, Baker was in for three drives. The first one. Connected on a touchdown after a couple of passes. Connected on a touchdown to his old Oklahoma teammate, C.D. Lamb. So that was nice to see that connection once again. Got the extra point to Amon Ra St. Brown. The second drive, very Detroit Lions heavy. Uh, it only took three plays, too. First, it was a big catch and run by Sam Laporta. And remember, the fields are only 50 yards for this. So yeah. about a 40-yard catch and run by Sam Laporta. Got them down to the four. Then it was a pass to Puka Nakua, who a lot of people know. That got Puka them down Nakua. to the one. And then it was a little pass to uh, Jameer Gibbs, sticking with the Lions theme, that for a Lions touchdown drive. that wow. made it 64-59. to 59. Now, the last drive, Baker did throw an interception, but it wasn't Baker's fault. It tipped off the hand of Amon Ross St. Brown, and right. it was intercepted by Kyle Hamilton of the Ravens. It was very reminiscent of the interception against the Lions by yeah, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Right? Yeah, yeah, when it went off of uh, Mike Evans' hand. But the comical thing in all of that was a couple of plays before it was a fourth down. They want to get the first down. So Baker scrambled and the ref ended up, it was the first down and it counted, but the ref called a penalty on Baker for flag guarding. I guess you're not allowed to do that. The rules are all over the place in the pro bowl. Yeah. And Baker goes, <laughs> he's yelling, he goes flag guarding. Are you effing kidding me? They bleeped him out of course. Yeah. But uh, just the typical competitor that Baker right. Mayfield is a very comical moment. So awesome for Baker Mayfield. Won multiple accolades this season, various awards, and uh, gets the cherry on top with um, winning the NFC Offensive MVP. Also want to give a shout-out to Tristan Wirfs because the linemen aren't as involved in the game, but what they do for the Pro Bowl, if you're new to this year's Pro Bowl, they're doing different things where, yes, the flag football game itself is the majority of the points, but you can get points in different ways. There's like a Madden tournament. There's a obstacle course and they had this one event between the first and second quarter it was called push the wall or something like mm -hmm. that and essentially you got this giant wall afc nfc mostly linemen in it and first you have to get three thousand pounds of weight off of this wall so each player is oh, like wow. at a rung and you got to rip it off tristan Wirfs was the first lineman offense defense afc nfc to rip all of the weights off to get on the other side to start no pushing surprise. this wall um, across the finish line. Now, it is a team game, so everyone else had to finish as well. But Tristan Wirfs absolutely dominated that performance. He was big with the obstacle course at the end where him and Panay Sewell were pu pushing Jason Kelsey uh, across the finish line to win the <laughs> obstacle course. So even though the linemen can't do as much in these Pro Bowl events, Tristan Wirfs was representing the Bucks greatly over the weekend. So want to give a yeah. shout out to both of them because I get it. The pro bowl isn't, it isn't what it once was, Yeah. but uh, you know, if there's anything big with the bucks that are related, we want to make sure all the pewter people know. So right. if you have to watch the pro bowl, just watch the video clip that we have on pewterreport.com yep. and our reaction to Baker winning uh, the MVP, because it was an exciting event for uh, if, if you're a bucks fan, you definitely got yeah. your money's worth. Well, and you know, with him winning the precision passing, uh, event over CJ Stroud, yeah. The the previous night or th I guess Thursday night is what it was, and um, and then winning the MVP. Boy, does that does that mean Baker Mayfield's stock is going up? Is is the price tag going up? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, it, listen, it's going to be interesting to see. The, the one thing I, I liked about this, so we just showed that that picture of, of Tristan Wirfs and Baker Mayfield together. These guys are close as it is, right? They're both yes. team captains. They're both actually um, going to be fathers this spring as well. Tristan's going to get married, yes, right? And Baker already is married, and but they're both expecting 
their first child, which is awesome, and, and it's happening this offseason, which is a great time <laughs> if you're a yeah, football Tristan's, player uh, to have a child. Baby is, is due, I, I believe, in mid-March. So, I mean, it we're is. talking about yeah. a month from now. That's right. That's right. And and so for these guys to get together, drinks and beer, uh, that reinforce that team chemistry and camaraderie, you just have to think that every little bit helps when it comes to free agency. Now, I think the Buccaneers have a, a tremendous home field advantage. Uh, they were the team that really kind of gave Baker this opportunity to yeah. to catapult himself into position to make a heck of a lot more money than he made last year when it was $4 million in the base deal. Mm-hmm. And he's earned about $3 million in terms of incentive bonuses. Uh, and let's not forget, Baker Mayfield also, if you if you heard those reports, it lost $12 million in like an investment scheme. And there's some litigation going on about that. But, you know, possession, right, it's what, what's the saying? Nine-tenths of the law, right? And so yeah. Baker Mayfield doesn't have the money. He's trying to get the money back. And and certainly wishing him well in that opportunity. $12 million is <laughs> that's, a lot of money. For that's a lot of money. You don't want to lose that money. Um, and so hopefully he can get that back. But but there, maybe there's a chance that, that he doesn't. So he's got, he's got to make up for a little bit of lost time here. Your window of earnings is only open so long in the NFL. He'll be 29 in April. And sure, he might be able to play till his mid-30s. But okay, fine. That's maybe five, six more years, right, mm-hmm. of him being a starting caliber quarterback. Um, and, you know, and, and, and nothing, is, is, nothing is a given. Nothing is guaranteed. Just ask Ryan Jensen, who retired. Over the weekend, yes, right? He and, and he's still under contract with Tampa Bay. They just re-signed him to a multi-year deal in 2022. And he played one game, right? That that playoff game where he wasn't even close to being healthy. Right. So having said all that with Baker Mayfield, yes, having those relationships with guys like Mike Evans and Tristan Wirfs, it's, it's important. Having that relationship with Todd Bowles, with Jason Light is important. It's going to go a long way. And I even think that this little bit of success he had at the Pro Bowl, wearing Buccaneer flags, right? It, it, it helps. Everything, every little bit helps. At the end of the day, though, free agency is what it is. It's a business. Yeah. It comes down to the dollars and cents. But getting a Liam Cohen, having a Tristan Wirfs there to, to kind of talk about the future, right? And, and you know, it's because when you switch teams, you know, you're leaving friends behind, whether you're yeah. cut and it's out of your hands or you're, whether you're voluntarily leaving because free agency is a two-way street. Um, every little bit helps. And I think the Buccaneers have done everything they can outside of, you know, meeting Baker Mayfield where, wherever his price point is. Uh, and, and that's going to be decided in March. They'll probably start some negotiations at the, at the NFL scouting combine where the whole Peter report yeah. staff will be at the end of this month. And, and we'll see where it goes from there. But, but, so far, so good in terms of possibly retaining Baker Mayfield and answering who the quarterback question of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is, is going to be in 2024. Yeah, I think that's a really great point of just having the chemistry and, and really friendship with a lot of the guys yeah. that you mentioned. Because, yes, like financials are very, very important. But I think at the end of the day, whether you're an NFL player or whatever job you're in, sometimes you just want a want a peace of mind. And yeah. Going, having a peace of mind with, all right, I know Mike, I know Chris Godwin, Tristan Wirfs is my guy. Like, that's really important that maybe you can't even put a, a monetary value on. Like, yeah. I'm lucky I get along with everybody that we work with at Pewter Report, except right. for Josh Capo. I hate Josh Capo's guts, <laughs> but he lives in Atlanta, so I don't even have to see him that much. I'm just oh, kidding. I Josh. love Josh Capo. Yeah. I love doing we love the kid, Josh Capo, for sure. Yes, we, and, we love the busted chops, for sure. But There's also one other thing we love, too, Matt, yes. and it is a Monday, and it is 420. It's this little thing called Roll Call. That's right. We love doing this every single Monday at 420, and we're on time for this one, which sometimes yeah. we like to be fashionably late, but that's all right because it just means we're in a heavy conversation with the Buccaneers or about the Buccaneers. But anyway, if you're new to the show, we do this every Monday at 420. It's called Roll Call. What we do is uh, one of us starts going on a diatribe about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we love interacting with their fans as much as possible. So while uh, for this show, when Scott is talking about the Buccaneers, if you want to start putting the location of where you are watching the show from, we will put it up on the screen because we have awesome fans, not just in Tampa, not just in the U.S., but around the world, and we love giving shout-outs to everybody as well. So, Without further ado, Scott, uh, have at it, and I will start 
putting names up on the screen. You got it. So here's one thing that I really like about uh, Liam Cohen. When I kind of spent some time today and a little bit this weekend diving into him, I, I saw a coaching clinic video that was outstanding that Josh Capo yep. turned me on to. Uh, and, and it really, it's, it's a tremendous uh, coaching clinic video that really kind of describes what's important to Liam Cohen. And, and this was when he was at the University of Kentucky. And of course, those principles and those, those um, um, uh, important uh, areas of emphasis aren't going to change because that's your core values as a play caller. So here's a couple of, of things that I was able to kind of ascertain that I'm happy to share with you guys. When it comes to, uh, to his philosophy, it's players over plays. Yep. And this might come as music to some people's ears that were a little angry sometimes because Mike Evans didn't get a target in the first half or Chris Godwin was ignored, um, things like that. The play sheet for Liam Cohen, and he breaks it down in this video, it actually has a, a, a spot on the play sheet for playmakers. And he actually keeps account of how many times his playmakers get the ball. And let's say at the University of Kentucky in 2021, it was Wandale Robinson. That was the big mm -hmm. um, playmaker, wide receiver for Will Levis, right? He was the number one guy. Uh, they had a number two, but it was basically, I need to get Wandale Robinson 10 plays a game. And the interesting thing about his concept is sometimes, despite the down and distance, he will want to get the ball in the playmaker's hands more so than the play call. So there were times where you might have seen Dave Canales dial up, um, you know, a play, and and let's say it's it's a pass play to, um, I, I don't know, um, the Trey Palmer, right, in on third and ten, and you're thinking, why in the world would they throw the ball to Trey Palmer? Why don't they go to Mike or Chris? And and this is more of Liam Cohen's wheelhouse he wants to get his playmakers the ball he wants to get his guys uh the, the, the those pass opportunities and get the ball in their hands and, and that's that's just who he is as a play caller so it's not so much hey we need a play to cover this much ground it's let's get the ball into mike's hands let's get the ball into chris hands let's get the ball into rashad white's hands and he has his play sheet broken down into several different categories not just red zone, but what he calls strike zone, which is the 30 to the 20. That's more of where he's going to take a shot. You're getting close to the end zone. You're not quite in, in, in the red zone, but that's kind of the cusp of where teams will play more of their base defense. Usually you see them switch things up when they get into the red zone area. That's where they go from playing base, and then they'll start doing some, some different things with their red zone packages on defense. Where, where they will uh, either drop you know, eight into coverage and rush three to give a quarterback a, kind of a complex look and really cover up those receivers. Or as you get closer to the red zone and there's there's a more of a truncated area to work with, that's where you see uh, defenses a lot of times will go man coverage or they'll go yep. cover zero, right? And, and they'll bring all-out pressure to try to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. And so those are just some of the things, and we'll talk about more of these these things throughout the week. But I just thought that was interesting. If you're if you're interested in, in how many um, plays do he, does he script to start the game, he starts it with ten. He's got everything on his play sheet from what they call Derby. Derby is their their hurry up offense, um, and then he spends an awful lot of time in practice on red zone and third downs at Kentucky back in 2021. The, the Wildcats were actually, they actually converted every single third and one that season. And they were fifth fans in the nation. Love to hear that. Not the yeah. fans <laughs> would love to hear that. Yeah. And they were fifth in the nation on third down conversions with Will Levis at quarterback back in 2021. The, the video was shot uh, before the start of this season. So it didn't encompass anything in the 2023 season. But uh, again, conceptually, he's, this is who he is as a play caller. These are his core beliefs. But the other thing is, is he has a different set of plays for fourth and one than he does for third and one. And also he breaks down fourth down into fourth and one, fourth and two and three, fourth and four to six, fourth and seven to 10, and fourth and 11 plus. And he's got different plays for those that he would call rather than third down because he said, and it's true, those fourth downs 
are more important than the third downs because on, th- on fourth down, if you don't convert it, it's a turnover, right? Right. Turnover on downs. If you don't get a play uh, to go the distance on third down, then you have the option to either punt or go for it on fourth down. But fourth down is actually more important than third down. So they do have a specific play sheet just for those fourth down uh, instances. So you're not going to see him call a play that he ran earlier in the game on third and two on fourth and one or fourth and two. It's going to be a separate set of plays. It's going to give – a, a sense of, of unpredictability and, and give a new look, a new play to the defense have to, to really worry about. The other thing that, that I really thought was interesting was uh, they actually have on their play sheet self-scouting tendency areas, run and pass percentages based on down and distance. So, for example, on his play sheet, he'll have, let's say it's uh, second and seven. He'll look down and say, uh, on second and seven, we uh, historically this season have been 60% pass, 40% run. And so he may want to, that's a quick little reminder to maybe break some tendencies, right? Yeah. Maybe do a draw and see if you can pick up a chunk or maybe a five-yard gain on a draw on second and seven out of a pass set would pick up five yards. Now you're in third and two, which is much more manageable. So a lot of really good stuff about Liam Cohen. Um, he does use motion, yes, but not does. so much with receivers. He uses it with backs coming out of the backfield, and that's the tell for zone or uh, or man. And we saw some some of that with Dave Canales as well. He would split Rashad White out, mm-hmm. and if it's zone, then you go ahead and leave him out there. Uh, if if it's uh, I'm sorry, if it's zone, you bring him back. If it's man, you leave him out there. He likes to have light boxes for his offensive line to have to protect uh, against. So a lot of times you'll see a three-by-one with just three receivers to one side and a bunch formation or a stack formation with one tight end out wide. You see that a lot with the Rams, with Tyler Higby, right? With Gerald, uh, uh, forget his name. Uh, Everett. Gerald, Young. Gerald Everett. Yeah, thank you. Um, th- that, that's a that's a, a typical formation look that Sean McVay has where you have your receivers bunched to one side. You've got that tight end down there. So if you, if you want to match up in zone, Guess what? Now you have a corner on a tight end. That should be a size mismatch right there. Um, if you are rolling your corner over to cover bunch or cover that stack look, then you have a linebacker outside with that tight end or you walk in a safety down, right? And you still have an opportunity there if you have an athletic tight end to really get a mismatch. But it's, it's, a, it's a great way for his players to understand um, – what the indicators are. He wants to give his players indicators for success pre-snap. And there's a lot to like about this guy. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. That's one of the best things about football is just the matchups and how does this D-line go up against this O-line and so on and so forth. And yeah, one of the biggest takeaways from Liam Cohen is that he is extremely detail-oriented. And sure, there are times where you can over-prepare and you have so many things. But I would also counter that with I'd rather have an offensive coordinator or just a team in general that is overprepared rather than underprepared. And one of the yeah. things when I was reading up about Liam Cohen that I, that I found so fascinating is when uh, he interviewed for the uh, Kentucky job for their offensive coordinator. He was obviously talking with Mark Stoops, who is the head yeah. coach, and um, he gave a detailed plan of schedules and responsibilities, as well as a uh, video compilation of 300 offensive plays that he thought he'd be able to implement uh, from his time with the Rams and uh, and bring it over to the Kentucky Wildcats. So we're, yeah. we're talking about extreme detail just for an interview. And to go back to Josh's article, which was fantastic, another thing that Cohen's going to bring, and Dave Canales had this too, so you'll just see more of it with yeah. Cohen, is – making simple plays and simple routes look complex, but they are simple at the end of the day. And the example that Josh used was the touchdown by Rashad white against the green Bay Packers, where it was essentially four verts. It was all just go down the field, but the way that they motioned Rashad white and got him off the line of scrimmage and off of being right next to the quarterback and, and moving down the field, it's a simple play, but it had more of a complex look and ended up, in a touchdown. I think you'll see yeah. that with Liam Cohen and uh, also the use of play action. Like yeah. Will Levis was great with it. In yes. The top 20. 
Kentucky last year, I believe, was in the top third. And even Baker, when he was with Liam Cohen, um, I believe was eighth in the league. Now, granted, yeah. it was a much smaller sample size because Baker was only there for the end of the uh, season. But play action is something that Bucks fans have really wanted for quite a long time. And I think they're going to get it with Liam Cohen. Something that I really want right now is a uh, Celsius energy drink, more specifically the Celsius Essentials, the newest line of Celsius that this great product has out so there. Good. The Celsius Essentials has a lot of great, great uh, flavors, whether it's the Blue Crush, you got the Dragonberry, uh, the Orange was great. You saw us having that over at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. It's got 275 milligrams of caffeine. It's a bigger can, bigger yes. and better with the Celsius Essentials. Uh, no sugar in these drinks. So if you need to know where to find a Celsius Essentials, you can locate them at a 7-Eleven, all 7-Elevens nationwide. Um, you get the variety pack, a three-can variety pack over at Walmart, and they are coming to Amazon sooner rather than later. So if you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, could be the Celsius Essentials, could be an original Celsius, with sparkling orange, the Arctic Vibe, Fuji Apple Pear, sparkling lemon lime, Go to the Celsius store locator on your website, punch in your address. It'll tell you the closest location where you could pick a Celsius up. It might be a uh, Target, could be a health and fitness store. It might just even be your bodega. Bodega. It wants to keep going to sell uh, your bodega and picking up Celsius and you want more. You can get it in bulk. I'd recommend getting that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. Have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want. You're in charge. It's up to you. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. We have a couple of uh, super chats to get to, yeah. Scott. Um, also want to give a quick shout out to everyone yes. that did Roll Call. Another fantastic turnout. Can't thank you guys enough. And Love also learning days. where you guys are watching from. So starting with Jeff the Champ from New Bern, North Carolina. Chase Keenan from Indy will be there at the end yeah. of the month for the combine. Very much looking forward to that. Randy Wazinski from Schenectady, New York. I believe I pronounced that right. Uh, Joe Sandillo from Brooksville, Florida. Corey Jones out of Centerville, Ohio. Thomas Pelicudis from Fort Myers, Florida. Drizzy Howell, like the little owl next to you as well. Yeah. Oh, there's probably a Drake <laughs> shout out. Is that Drake in the picture? I can't tell. It looks like Triple H. But uh, Drake was in Tampa the last two nights. So that was cool. Tristan Wirfs was actually at it. And Antoine Field Jr. But anyway, from Kannapolis, uh, North Carolina. Yep. Catherine Labada from Dunedin. And then right in the backyard of Scott's UK yep. Prince uh, in Wesley Chapel, Florida. So thanks, a guy. thanks again, guys, for um, all of the turnout for Roll Call today. Let's get over to the Super Chats, starting with. Mark Fisher, a.k.a. Rev Fish, thanks for the 499 Super Chat, who says, with an offensive coach hired, don't we need to get Mike right after Werfs and Winfield? Would Mayfield want to return without him and Godwin as number one wide receiver? Yeah, that's a good question, right? Because of, of maybe the domino effect, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time, if Baker Mayfield gets paid by the Buccaneers, um, <laughs> you know, he'll trust Jason like to find him some receivers. Now, if they could get Mike Evans um, under contract before that, that would certainly even um, better the chances of Baker Mayfield, because he knows then that Baker Mayfield uh, would be coming back to a situation where Liam Cohen's the offensive coordinator and Mike Evans is under contract. So th there is a little bit of maybe of some dominoes that need to fall at the same time, though, um, Baker and Mike can talk, right? And and yeah. um, and Mike can can fill Baker in on what he's thinking, and vice versa, and and that might help their, their situations together. And I think Jason Light is very transparent. He will let both of these players know, hey, we're going to let you test free agency. We're gonna we're gonna go. We're gonna let you go find your number, and then all we ask is that you bring it back to us and give us the opportunity to match it, to talk about it, to do the okay. Well, you know, Mike, you've got. $27 million on offered from the Chicago bears, but the mm -hmm. state income tax in, in Chicago is going to make that 27 million seem like the 25 million that we're giving you. Cause the $2 million that you're going to be making is going to go right to the state of Illinois and those taxes that you're yeah. not going to have down here in the state of Florida where there's no state income tax. So it's a little bit of that too. That's where Mike Greenberg comes in. 
and he presents the, okay, well, you got an offer from that particular team in that state, but without state income tax in Florida, this is what that offer is. And that's why even though we're maybe two or $3 million less per year, it's, it's the same. It's apples for apples. Or you know what? You want to go there and make another million dollars? You're actually going to lose money because you're going to be paying more in taxes up there than you would returning the Buccaneers. So I, I, I'm not overly concerned about this. I think that with the relationship that Jason has with both Baker and Mike, that, that they will allow these guys, if they're not going to, say, give them a, a pre, pre-agency contract offer. Now, they're going to have some discussions. They're going to want to find yeah. out w- what your number is, right? And with Baker Mayfield, um, you know, I wrote about this today and I put it in, in the Peter Report uh, chat here um, in, in the Bucks mailbag. You know, if, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm not looking at, at the Geno Smith three-year, right. $75 million deal, which is $25 million per. I'm looking at Daniel Jones saying, hey, that guy's worth $40 million a year. Actually, he's not worth it, but that's what he's making. Yeah. I'm better than he is. Deshaun Watson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm better than Deshaun Watson, statistically speaking, since, you know, his last year in, in Houston, um, the year and a half that he had in, in Cleveland, he's been, actually been kind of terrible. So um, he's making 46 million. You know, Ryan Tannehill was making just under 30. I'm better than Ryan Tannehill. So I think that number is going to be 30 million or north thereof for Baker Mayfield. Because if I'm him, I'm looking at some of these other quarterbacks that are making more money than I am and saying, I had a better season than you. Yeah. And I've got a better pedigree than you in terms of coming in as a first overall pick. And um, quite frankly, I'm I'm worth more. So it it might cost the Buccaneers more than maybe they're thinking right now. But but again, we'll see how many suitors there are, right, Matt? Because if Atlanta's in the mix, if Denver's in the mix, right, with with Sean Payton, if – uh, if Minnesota's in the mix, if they want to move on from from Kirk Cousins, you know the number of teams vying for Baker Mayfield in free agency, which could be just one, Tampa Bay, or yeah. multiple, that that's going to have an effect on that number too. Yeah, so I do have a question for you um, on that in just a moment, but I'll, I'll give my point first. So to answer the first part of it, I do think there is a world where even if Mike Evans leaves, that Baker Mayfield still comes back. Now the I only agree. thing that would change is how we're looking at edge rushers and, you know, JPJ in the first round at center. I think that completely shifts gears and it goes to, oh, damn, we need a wide receiver to complement with Chris Godwin as wide receiver one. But I do trust that the Bucs would figure it out one way or another with um, Baker at quarterback and finding new weapons around him. What would concern me about Mike not coming back is not necessarily that the Bucs – will be able to pony up the money unless a team gives too much money. Right. I am just curious about the suitors for Mike Evans that may overpay for Mike. Obviously the big one is the Houston Texans. I'm not exactly sure about their financial situation, but Mike loves being in Texas. He loves his home state. And even though he's coming off of a rookie season, the opportunity to play with C.J. Stroud, I think, is very, very high and mighty. I mean, he is a, a thrilling, thrilling quarterback to watch. And it would be interesting to see if the Texans say, hey, we want one more piece because they got pretty good wide receivers already. But we want to bring in a big guy in Mike Evans if that could do something. Um, yeah. The Jets, I wouldn't even rule out if they can't get Devontae Adams. I wouldn't rule out the Jets trying to throw money at Mike Evans. And again, the opportunity yeah. to play with Aaron Rodgers after Mike had previously played with uh, Tom Brady. I yeah. think that um, could be appealing to Mike. And at the end of the day, Mike still wants to win, though he does have his heart in Tampa as well. So those would be a couple of teams I'd be worried yeah. about Mike potentially leaving for. Now, the last part with Baker, we've talked before and you even mentioned the suitors of Atlanta or Minnesota or things of that nature. And it's a good thing for the Bucks that Kirk Cousins is still in the mix because that at least takes one other team out right. of it where hopefully they'll go after Kirk and not Baker Mayfield. But you mentioned $30 million per year. And because he's played so well and things of that nature, it's going to bump up to that. And his agent's going to play the game of Daniel Jones and everything. Right. And you're spot on with that. My question for you, Scott, is if you're the Bucks and you're going to give him $30 million a year, would you sign up for the season that Baker just had and say, we're okay with $30 million of Baker Mayfield for that type of season? 
Yeah, but but then at the same time, I wonder, is this the ceiling? Because I, I kind of yeah, think this is the I ceiling think. for Baker, right? I, I yeah. think that 4,000 yards, 28, okay, fine, give him 30, right? Because there was a couple of those Mike Evans touchdowns where he got, got tackled the one-yard line. So mm -hmm. say 30, 32 touchdowns, right? Um, somewhere between 10 to 13 interceptions, right? And 4,000 yards. Th that seems like like where his ceiling is because he's – He's not that prolific passer. Now, he did have a couple of fantastic games. The Eagles game comes to Packers. mind, certainly the Packers game, right? So he can do it. But mixed in there, you had some of those inconsistent games as well. Back-to-back mm -hmm. -back games with the, the Panthers and 49ers. I'm sorry, the, the Falcons, where he completed 48% of his passes, right? So um, you're paying for that, uh, that season, Matt. But I think the thing that concerns me and probably Tampa Bay as well is 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 that the type of seasons you're going to get for three straight years, which would actually be four straight years because if you're yes. signed to a three-year extension, can you expect that in each one of those years and no regression? And boy, that's that's the that, scary part. That's the scary part. It really <laughs> is because with the Tom Brady, right? Like you look at his career and yeah. there's certain years where he had maybe five or 600 yards less because he didn't have a Randy Moss or he didn't have Gronk or whatever, but you pretty much knew what you were going to get with Tom Brady, right? You know what you're going to get with Patrick Mahomes, right? And that Andy Reid offense. But with Baker Mayfield, it's 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 a one-year kind of deal, just like with Shaq Barrett. He got the 19 and a half sacks. Yep. He was able to get 10 again one season, but he didn't even come close to that number in any of the other seasons. I think he had what eight uh or eight and a half and he had 10. 10 yeah he had 10 the second time that he made the pro bowl right exactly eight and then 10 and a half or yeah, 10 and then the achilles injury yeah. the achilles injury i think he had three and then four and a half last year right so it's so hard once you hit that ceiling to sustain it that's that that's for the elite players not the good players not even the great players the elite players can do that and, and time will tell. So it's a little bit of a scary proposition. I, I would only guarantee two years out of a three-year deal just to give yourself an out, just in case. Plus, two Baker's not the biggest guy, and he's going to yeah. get banged up. And he was banged up he, last year. He played every game, and credit yeah. to him. But he has a history of missing games because That's of injury. Right. And, he, and he didn't tough. miss any last year. But exactly. You can't. Tom and Brady, he's a tough guy. I'm not faulting him for like yeah. getting injured and missing games because it happens to, to everyone, really. But, yep. again, we've seen Baker not play at 100%, and it That's doesn't right. look good. You know, no, that 9 nothing win over the Panthers. But I think it's a, I, I think it's a really intriguing question because if yep. it was $20 million a year, I feel comfortable being like, okay, I can sign up for that for two seasons, maybe right. even a third season. But the, for whatever reason, the extra $10 million, I think, makes a uh, a really big deal. But we'll continue to have this conversation yep. as as it goes along. Thanks to Richie P for this $20 Super Chat. He says, considering how much uh, is at risk, parentheses, inking Evans, Baker, a new offensive coordinator developing run game, yep. if Jackson Powers Johnson is there in the first, mm -hmm. do you take him? I just don't see a defensive end dropping to us at 26. He also follows it up with, uh, sorry for the draft question. I blame PR for my draft sickness, LMAO. Richie, no apology needed. You super chat us. We will talk about right. anything. So thank you yeah. for the super chat. Yeah, no, I, I'm a huge fan of um, of Jackson Powers Johnson. I think we all are from the Peter Report staff after just seeing him for like barely two practices, really just yeah. a practice and a half because he suffered a, a hamstring injury really on day one and then kind of fought through yeah, it. Yeah, um, But I mean, he's, he's a tremendous talent. Um, I, I think that he is uh, a, a player that, that, um, that will probably get drafted ahead of number 26, just based upon how well he performed. And uh, he, he has all of the intangibles you're looking for in terms of, of the, the toughness. We call him Ryan Jensen 2.0. Mm -hmm. It's really what he is. We, we, we talked to him at the, the senior bowl he likes to model himself after Ryan Jensen. He's a bigger dude, 6'3", where Jensen's about 6'4", and some change. So he's about a, a, a an inch shorter, but still about 325 pounds, 330 pounds. Uh, very tough, ruffian guy, uh, really good personality. And uh, I would take him at number 26 if he's there. I would even trade up a few spots to get him. Possibly if it wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. The Bucks right now don't have a fifth round pick. So 
you know, you don't want to trade that fourth because that's a real valuable spot. So maybe, Agreed. maybe you, maybe you, you trade up a little bit and you get a, 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 you know, a fifth round pick and then you can package a five and a six and go up and get a fourth, you know, Jason Light can do some maneuvering, but yeah, overall I'm in favor of it because he, he answers the question at safety. And even if you do sign a safety, you can play him a guard because he did play a full season at guard at, uh, at Oregon. And he's just a ruffian, man. I love the guy. Yeah, I, I look at this in a couple of ways, because if you're just taking a face value, like who do you want with your first round pick, a center or an edge rusher? The answer is edge rusher. However, in today's day and age, and I get it, Todd Bowles is a defensive coach. Yeah. I almost think it's more of an advantage in today's NFL to solidify your offense and then figure everything else out yeah. on defense. Especially and- if you're paying your quarterback. 30 million or more, right? Yeah, you exactly. got to protect Baker Mayfield at all costs. So let's go with the assumption that Baker's back, Mike Evans is back. The last thing really holding you back is maybe another receiving tight end or just shore up the tight end, but then that interior offensive line, I think, is yeah. the big one. So if the question is Powers Johnson against any edge rusher, I think you go Powers Johnson. Now, if it's someone that yeah. you love, like Robinson, who we talked about with Missouri, who was a beast at the yeah, senior ball. Yeah, Darius Robinson, that, that becomes something a little bit different. But I'm kind of leaning towards just solidifying your offensive line because then you have Tristan Wirfs hopefully under an extension, get a key in his third year, Malk in his second year, and then a stud rookie center. So really all you're yeah. figuring out is who's going to be your left guard. I really like the outlook of that offense versus an edge rusher that maybe he pans out, maybe he doesn't, maybe needs a little more seasoning. And I think Todd Bowles can – better equip his defense, even if you don't have that stout edge rusher, than an offense that just gets bullied on the interior yeah. offensive line. Well, they they like Anthony Nelson, right? And he's still yeah. under contract. Uh, Jason uh, Pierre-Paul is long gone, and they missed that kind of alpha. And and they were hoping that Joe Tryon Schwenka could be that guy to replace Jason Pierre-Paul. That's why right. they drafted him in the first round when JPP was on the team. He's just not that guy. He's not that alpha. He's not that player, right? But he is under contract. We expect he's not going to get the fifth-year option picked up, so this will, in a sense, be his contract year. And you know, at, at the very least, he's got four years worth of experience, or this will be his fourth season worth of experience in Todd Bowles' scheme. So at least he knows it. You hope he gets better as a result of it. And they did find Yaya Diaby in the they third did. round. So even though you're not addressing it in the first round, they were able to find a pass rusher in later rounds. There are some other guys, Austin Booker from KU, uh, Marshawn uh, Neeland from Western Michigan. You know, th- there's there's the uh, the, the um, Gabriel and um, Grayson Murphy from UCLA, the twin brothers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a, a, a super talented edge class, but at the same time, if if you if you're going to pass on the likes of Braylon Trice from Washington. Chop Robinson, Chris Braswell, and 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 get that offensive lineman to secure that that offensive line and get some protection for Baker Mayfield. Then you can look in second, third rounds and, and possibly address edge rusher. Thanks to Mike Wells for this twenty dollars super chat. Thank you, says, Mike. Awesome show, Matt and Scott. As always, thank you for the thank kind you. words, Mike. Do you guys see? Liam Cohen be a bit more aggressive than Canales was because Canales just seemed complacent at times. And also Powers Johnson is really growing on me at 26. Well, we kind of already talked about Jackson Powers Johnson and we're all big fans of him. I think, uh, I think that's been well established right right now. I I think the thing with Cohen that, that you're going to see is you're going to see him probably do um, be, be more active in the past game. Not that the Buccaneers will go back to being pass first, pass heavy like they were with Byron Leftwich. But I think you're going to see maybe some more creative runs, right? Uh, if you look at how Kyron Williams was used and and the yardage he picked up as a thousand yard back, he was at the Pro Bowl this year as a Rams running back. And in this, despite having Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and, you know, Matthew Stafford, right, Matt? So they can run the ball too. And I think you're going to see maybe some more creative ways to get uh, the running game going. I've always been a huge proponent of running into a light box, right? Uh, yes. Running, running into, uh, you know, w- with, with the spread personnel and you'll see a lot of three by one concept, right? So that's, 
that that's away from the formation. A lot of times they'll flex the tight end out almost as a, as a, as a receiver, uh, kick him out wide. And, and that, that, that is one of their base staple formations. They ran it at Kentucky. That's a Sean McVay principle, the three by one uh, formation. And when you do that, it does a couple of things. It forces you into either nickel or dime, right? So you're already in a pass mm-hmm. defense rather than getting some of your runs stuffing linebackers out there. So I think a lot of teams now play play nickel. If you look at Todd Bowles, he was rarely they in a it traditional 3-4. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, he's rarely in that traditional 3-4 unless you're going up against 13 personnel or 12 where you have two tight ends or three tight ends. But that's one of the things that they like to do. Now, now they will do some 12 personnel looks as well, right? Every team has that. Even the Rams uh, do that, and they sure. get a little bit of 13 as well. But that three-by-one split, you can still run out of it. It's a lighter box, and and, and it's and it forces uh, defenses to automatically be um, in, in those nickel or dime packages. And so I, I, I think that they're going to be more aggressive in the run game and probably more successful with it. I think they're also going to be more uh, aggressive in, in the passing game you're going to see them work the middle of the field a lot more than just the outsides where canals like to take those shots down the sidelines yep. It's not going to be Bruce Arians, but Bruce Arians like to attack the, the, the deep vertical middle. And I think you're going to see more digs, uh, more skinny posts, more post patterns coming across the formation at a bunch and attacking the middle of the field. With the question being, will Cohen be a bit more aggressive I think what's going to happen and aggressiveness comes into this is what were some of the knocks on Dave Canales? One of them was his, not inability, but his refusal to kind of adjust in game when it was needed or when the Bucs went down. I think that game against the Saints was a really big indicator of like, hey, you're not just getting, you're not getting it done running the football. You got to start throwing it more. You're down 17. And he just didn't. Now, if you're throwing the ball way more constantly because you're down 17, naturally you're going to be more aggressive because of it. And, of course, right. the Bucs don't want to be down 17 points in a lot of games. That's not what the fans want to see. But also, even when they were winning at times, Canal still just ran it up the middle, ran it up the middle. Occasionally he would run it to the outside, but it was a little too few and far between, even for my liking. And I understand you want that element of surprise. You want to you want to keep the defense off guard. But I also do think that there is something to be said about, you know, what Vince Lombardi said back in the day. Like, we're going to run it until you stop it. And if you're running it to the outside and it's working, I don't understand why they should necessarily shy away from that. So in this case, with Cohen, if they're running it up the middle with Rashad White or whoever's in the game and it's not working, I don't think it's going to take as long for Liam Cohen to go in there and say, all right, let's do a sweep to the outside. Let's do a pitch. We got an advantage with Tristan Wirfs over on the end. Let's just keep doing it because this is where yeah. we're beating them. And I think that's where the history of being a play caller beforehand is really going to help the Buccaneers and, and Liam Cohen in, in his new job. Yeah, and I think you're right. When you look at, at Liam Cohen, this is a guy that has two years of actual play calling experience at the FBS level. He's called plays before um, and, and the FCS level, but he also has about a third of a season um, with a play calling experience with the Rams. And I think that's going to give him a little bit of a leg up as an experienced play caller that Dave Canales didn't have. And if you want the leg up when yeah. it comes to real estate, well, real simple, give Eric Gross a call. Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group, the official realtors of Peter Report, it takes a full team effort to win a football game. And it's the same way in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions. This crazy real estate market, they've got the experience for all types of situations. Spring is coming, right? We just we saw Puxatoni Phil said that we're we gonna did. have a shorter winter. That means good news. That means the home market should be revving up. Now is the perfect time to get your house in order, whether you're buying or selling, and give Eric a call. You can also check out his website, housesnfla.com. That's housesnfla.com. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. Check out their listings, their inventory, their open house schedule. Uh, it's a great website. Make sure you check out Houses and FLA or give Eric a call at 513-907-4271. He's a Tampa native. He knows this area like the back of his hand. But whether you're moving into the state of Florida or out of the state or around the state, Eric can help you on either end of that transaction, buying and selling. So uh, no matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome at the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. Again, visit Houses 
nfla.com. Got a couple more super chats to get to, starting off with uh, Adam Hamilton. Thank you, Adam, for this four ninety nine super chat. Who says, "I really don't feel comfortable with Baker long term, y'all." I love the way he plays the game, but come on, most of us were unhappy with the offenses with the offense all year. Uh, Adam, you're right to have a little bit of concern for yeah. sure, and I, I think there's a lot of lovable traits about Baker Mayfield. And part of me as well wants to see if Baker can prove it again. Now, the problem is, I mean, you could franchise tag him, but it's yeah. really expensive for a quarterback. The problem is if he meets expectations, exceeds them, then you're stuck paying him even more. Or then you get into a bidding war because at that point, if Baker has another season like he did, there's going to be way more teams looking for, hey, wow, there's a starting quarterback that's available and we can bring him in. So that's one side of the risk. The benefit is, oh, all right, you have him under contract. He's ours and he's still playing that way. Yeah. The other risk of that is, okay, he is under our contract. Now he's regressing and not playing well. Now you're stuck with him and, uh, and and the financials of that. So that's certainly the concern with Baker. And I think everyone's going to have a little bit of that worry. Yeah. But you, I don't know. There's not really a there's not really a, a proper way to do it. I agree. Well, the interesting thing is we heard from Baker Mayfield about Liam Cohen at the Pro Bowl. Our own Adam Slavon was out there getting that video for us and getting those quotes and doing a story. Well, we're going to have the opportunity tomorrow to ask Liam Cohen about Baker Mayfield. That's right. The Buccaneers just announced that there will be a press conference with Liam Cohen at the team facility tomorrow at noon. Myself and Matt uh, will be there covering that. And, of course, that will be the topic of tomorrow's podcast at 4 o'clock. We will have the Liam Cohen press conference reaction right here at 4 o'clock on Peter Report TV, which is our YouTube channel. So make sure that you tuned in for that. And... Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about yeah. the personnel and about working possibly with, with Baker Mayfield and, and Mike Evans, getting those players back under contract will be key. And, uh, and what he has to say about Chris Godwin and Kate Otten and his offensive line, Rashad White, and, and uh, should be a fascinating conversation. Uh, this guy is not going to be Dave Canales in terms right. of <laughs> Don't expect that at the podium. Yeah. He's not going to win the press conference as much as Dave did. That's fine. Dave's, a head coach because of that, because of his communication skills. But it's always about substance over style, and I think this guy's got plenty of substance, and we'll look forward to hearing uh, from Liam Cohen. So make sure you join us tomorrow at 4 o'clock for that. Yeah, going to be a really fun show. I'm just excited to see his like overall philosophies um, as yeah. an offensive coordinator, which will be cool. Uh, Shout-out to Shaggy. Thanks for this $10 super chat who asks, uh, remaining coaching vacancies for uh, Bucks slash candidates? Yeah, so – they actually interviewed a couple of uh, special teams coordinator candidates today. Yeah, one just put was that a, story that Matt did in, yeah. in the chat here, but go ahead, Matt. Yeah, one was uh, Thomas McGahey, who was the um, Giants special teams coordinator. Uh, he's had two stints with the Giants. He was actually on their staff when they beat Tom Brady and the undefeated Patriots in that Super Bowl way back when. Yeah. He's got a long coaching history. The other one was Craig um, Alkerman who was the Titans special teams coordinator. Uh, he got let go in December after there was a game. The Titans allowed two blocked punts, but he has a litany of coaching experience as well. Yeah. And then as we joined the show, it was reported that Keith Tandy, former Buccaneer yeah. who's been on the coaching staff as an assistant, interviewed for the special teams coordinator job. So a little in-house candidate for you as well. Bucks will also have to find out what they want to do with the offensive line coach and mm-hmm. wide receivers coach. So I'd love Eric those- Wolford, as you mentioned. He's the Kentucky offensive line coach, was with the 49ers a couple of years. I went yeah. to school with him, actually. He was a Kansas State guy in the early Don't 90s when I was there. <laughs> he was a guard for Bill Snyder's Wildcats, so I actually know Eric. So it'd be cool to reunite with him, but we'll see what they what they uh, pick and choose. Gary, we really appreciate this comment. 318 people in the chat. We should have 318 likes. The more likes you give yeah. us, the more um, that, that helps us with our algorithms and the more comments you, you make uh, about the podcast and the more thumbs up you give us, the more that helps us with the YouTube algorithm gets us in front of more auto, awesome computer people like yourself. Yes, it does. We'd also like if you checked out uh, underdog fantasy using the promo code pewter, that's P E W T E R get a first deposit bonus. When you sign up with underdog fantasy, you could play it with football, super bowl coming up this Sunday or any of the other big sports 
pick anywhere from two to five players on a number of different stats, higher or lower on yards, touchdowns, tackles, points, if it's basketball or whatever it may be. Went up to 20 times your money over with Underdog Fantasy. So use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and download the app of Underdog Fantasy. And also, don't forget, we're talking to Liam Cohen tomorrow, so we're going to have our press conference reaction to everything he had to say on the Pewter Report podcast at 4 p.m. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us on all of our social media on X, Threads, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Pewter Report, and our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe. we got a lot of great reaction videos, the podcast, clips. We'll have clips from Liam Cohen tomorrow up on our YouTube channel as well. So a lot of great stuff coming up in the world of the box. So that's going to do it for yeah. us. Well, for we, we have one more comment oh. here. Liam is a combination of Neeson's first name and Joel and Ethan's last name of Cohen. So yeah, it's Liam Cohen. It's, it's not Liam Neeson. That's yes. I, I have to admit, I've typed that a couple times already. <laughs> it, is, it is not Liam Neeson. It is Liam Cohen. It All right, Matt, take, not, us, but, take uh, us out. Until then, for Liam Neeson, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.